Good morning. Umagyana to Mirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshumiritam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Aum Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Swami Shri Bhakti Vedanta Prabhuparayate Namaha Guravagyam Shirasiritva Shaktyavesha Swarupine Hare Krishna Ti Mantrena Paschacha Pachatarne Vishvacharja Prabharyu Dibya Karunya Muttaye Shri Bhagavatu Madhuya Gita Jnana Pradayane Gaura Shri Rupa Siddhanta Sarasati Nishevine Radhu Krishna Param Boja Bingaya Gurave Devam Divyatanum Suchanda Varanam Balarka Chelanchitam Sandrananda Puram Sareka Varanam Bairagya Bittam Budim Shisidanta Nidim Subhakti Lasitam Saraswatanam Varam Pandetam Shubadam Mareka Sharanam Nyashishparam Sridharam Mahushnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimade Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Tinamene Shri Varshavanavi Devi Daitaya Kripabdaye Krishna Sambandha Vidyana Daine Prabhavi Namaha Madhudvalabhrimadya Shri Rupanuga Bhaktira, Shri Gaura Karuna Shakti, Vigrahaya Namastate, Namaste Goravani, Shri Muttaye Dinatarine, Rupanuga Virdhapa Siddhanta Dhantarine, Mogora Kishorai, Sakshadvairagi Muttaye, Vipralambara Sambode, Padam Bhujayate Namaha Bhakti Vinodaya Satchiranandu Namine Varshakti Surupaya Rupanuga Varayate Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Gorodaya Pushpabanto Chito Sandopamuno Vandeham Shri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charana Sako Sukado Paramanando Sundaro Subhapriyo Namaste Girirajaya Shigovardana Namane Seshakleshanashaya Paramananda Daini Tapta Kanchan Urangi Radhe Brindabaneshwari Prashabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Haripriye Oho Bhagyam, Oho Bhagyam, Nandagopa Bhajokasam, Yanmitram Paramanandam, Puna Brahma Sanatanam, Yanmitram Paramanandam, Puna Brahma Sanatanam.
So nice to be with all of you today on the auspicious occasion in which we are remembering and that in the context of his Tiruvala disappearance, passing from the world. <clears throat> and um, we'll speak a little bit about that, but I want to uh, try to bring a little bit of focus to where, um, in a broad sense, um, Prabhupada was internally at the time of his uh, passing and to uh, look at that or consider that in light of where he was in his principal preoccupation in other words, Prabhupada, as you know, had a huge mission, worldwide campaign, the likes of which has not been seen in Gaudiya Vaishnavism before and is analogous to, in the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the wide, wide dispensation of Nityananda Prabhu. Mahaprabhu relied upon him, Nityananda Prabhu, to, to take his dispensation, even to places where he as a sannyasi could not go. Um, so, as such, um, there were many things that Prabhupada was concerned with. There were temples, there were problems that arose in the temples, there were many uh, disciples who, of course, uh, some of whom corresponded with him, and um, there's a whole series, a number of volumes of books that just uh, um, constitute his, his correspondence. <clears throat> so, uh, so managing, organizing, corresponding with devotees, um, and uh, always uh, expanding the mission uh, as well. These were obviously things that uh, Prabhupada was preoccupied with. But uh, far and above this, he was preoccupied with his writing. And as you know, he invested a considerable time in that, in Braj, when he resided at the Radhadamana Temple, in terms of um, bringing out his along with the Back to Godhead magazine, which he did on a regular basis, um, his commentary, translation, English translation commentary, on the first canto of the Bhagavatam, which he came to the Americas um, with. That was uh, in his trunk. Hmm. Um, and even upon arriving and... Uh, at which time he said he didn't know whether to turn left or right, 
in the Boston Harbor. I guess he turned left and went south to New York. Um, and uh, there, um, even while living homelessly for practically for some time, he eventually established a base, of course. And, you know, the movement exploded. Um, the history is there. But um, inside of all of that, if you will, um, his principal preoccupation was with the ongoing uh, translation of the Bhagavatam, which along with came uh, translation, the commentary on Bhagavad Gita, the nectar of devotion, which is a summary study of the Bhagavad Gita teachings of Lord Chaitanya, which was basically a summary of the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, which Prabhupada referred to teachings of Lord Chaitanya as the only book he wrote. In other words, it wasn't a commentary on anything, but it largely it, it, is a, it is a retelling of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, that happens to be the first, if we used to, we used to call them big books, that I was able to successfully distribute <clears throat> in those days. Mostly we were selling back to God at magazines and one devotee told me, his name was Sarva Bomadas, you should sell big books too. I said, well, I don't know how to do that. And um, he said, well, you just prayed to Prabhupada. So I thought, yeah, that's how everything works. You just pray to Prabhupada. So that night I went to, took a rest praying to Prabhupada that I would figure out how to you know, get the power to sell one of his big books. And so I brought one along with me just, just in case. And sure enough, while I was offering it back to God to someone, they said, well, what's the big book? <laughs> and I had even forgotten that I had it, I think, it, with me at the time. And the book sold itself, obviously. So the magic of it all <clears throat> was, um, was right there for, for everybody to experience. Um, in what some have referred to as the Hare Krishna explosion. Um, um, so um, there were also some small books that he wrote. Um, I guess he meant the only big book I've written <laughs> is the Chaitan, uh, teachings of Lord Chaitanya. And, and all, I should say all of this with um, within the context of his main principal focus, which was the translation commentary on uh, Grantaraj that is the very heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that all of the other texts really are uh, derived from. It's the, I consider it the theological sequel uh, to the Gita. Uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita is the distilled essence of the Bhagavatam. All of the Goswami's books um, uh, derive from it and so forth. So to translate this in English for the first time and to bring out a commentary on it in English as well. This was the principal preoccupation of Prabhupada throughout everything else that was going on around him, which is really hard to imagine. Uh, I keep myself here um, with this little contact with um, management and, and um, relative considerations. Um, and so forth to squeak out a couple of books here and there. Um, and so, uh, of course, uh, while he did that in great 
uh, style and was prolific with regard to his literary contribution, as I'm, I'm mentioning. Um, he didn't always cross his, cross his T's and, and dot his I's, so I consider my service to be something like that. Just a little small addition, um, which uh, takes a little more time, a little more, a little more concentration on, on small details. Um, but what he did in terms of publishing was, was obviously uh, extraordinary. And that, as I say, in light of being preoccupied with so many other things in the context of the mission. Um, but he, he, he would return to this, of course, we would, we would re nightly. I remember him once staying in Vrindavan and I uh, had a room in the guest house from which I could see out the window, the balcony, um, kind of upstairs, upper, I guess you'd call it balcony or veranda in Prophet's quarters. In his quarters, uh, there was a staircase went up and came up outside with a, like a porch out there, veranda. And so um, he would, on warm nights in Vrindavan, he would sit up there after we had taken rest and um, that's when he would focus on his writing. Throughout the day, he'd be busy talking with dignitaries, professors, whoever we brought to him, um, giving giving classes, um, taking a morning stroll for his health, which became also a um, which was also a place for philosophical uh, and discussion. Um, traveling, you know, throughout, throughout the, the world to the different centers and so on and so forth. Sometimes also giving class at night or at least uh, darshan to, to someone, some devotees or as I say, someone that devotees brought and so forth. A busy day uh, he kept, a busy schedule. And as we did under his uh, direction um, as well, but we took rest at nine, 10 o'clock, get up at four, try to stay awake during the day, <laughs> dangerously at times, uh, um, while driving. Um, we probably needed a little more rest at times, but we were rather, rather um, well, we were enthused. Uh, but, but we both, Prabhupada and ourselves, under his direction, kept a busy schedule, but his schedule didn't end when ours did, taking rest at 10 o'clock. Um, he would stay up and write by himself alone. Write is not entirely um, accurate way of describing how he brought out his um, his commentaries and translations. He, he actually used a dictaphone, so he would speak into it and then later that would be transcribed and edited and turned into um, into the books but as I was saying at one time I was staying in Vrindavan in the guest house and probably was there and um, from my room I could see the veranda where probably would, would translate so I would get up when I realized that one night 
After getting up to answer the call of nature, I gazed out the window at the supernatural um, activities of his divine grace to my amazement. Of course, you know, I think we knew it that he rode at night, kind of, but it wasn't something that I really thought about. And it really, it really struck me at that point. We're all sleeping comfortably here. And there he is up for four more hours or two more, three, whatever it was, hours. And in, in solitude, he's bringing out the books for us. Such an extraordinary uh, labor of love and um, ability to be uh, uh, focused again in the midst of all that was going on in, in ISKCON. Um, so I was I was quite startled by that. Then I would get up every night and watch him as long as I could stay awake to uh, work on his his his, his uh, Bhagavatam ongoing Bhagavatam. Um, translation and commentary. And he had a desire to bring out the, the whole of the text, beginning from text one, all the way to the end, almost 18,000 slokas. But um, as it turned out, Krishna couldn't wait that long to have him back, to take him into his fold, to fulfill his own stated, Prabhupada's own stated ambition to uh, enter into the friendly embrace of Krishna and in, in the brudge. Hmm? Um, Tomaru milani bai abar shesu kupai bochani guridhin bo kotabani chutu chuti bani kai lutubuti shedin kobe hobin more. This was his ardent uh, prayer that he wrote upon. Um, just before arriving in the United States aboard the Vajaladuta, um, the second part of the prayer where he aspires to upon completing the preaching mission that um, he was uh, given by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur um, to enter into the Brajlila throughout and throughout the day. Um, wander herding cows through the pastures and forests with Krishna and, and his friends, as the verse says in his own Bengali, somersaulting, tumbling, rolling, playfully uh, in sport uh, with Krishna. Um, when or oh when, he said, will that day be mine? So uh, in the context of his uh, Bhagavatam, Translation, which again, which is what's his primary uh, preoccupation, and I mean to say by that, if everything else fell apart, hmm, which could happen in a mission, sometimes it happened. Somebody in a temple uh, who was in charge um, got distracted by the force of the external energy and took money and left. Hmm. Uh, it happens. <laughs> A lot of things happened in ISKCON, which would uh, keep you up at night if, if it was the movement that you were managing. And, uh, but what kept Prabhupada up at night was his book uh, writing, regardless of what happened in 
is gone. Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, of course, had set a standard for him and related it to him in Radha Kund on the Brajmandal Parakram one year when he told um, my Guru Maharaj that uh, when the Param Prabhupada told Prabhupada, uh, when his Prabhupada told him that if you ever get money, uh, print books and we can sell them marbles, as he would say, in the temple to get money to print books. He had struggled, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsitaka, to open a marble temple, which was a big thing in those days in Calcutta, which was outside of the Dham. Vaishnavas, Gaudiya Vaishnavas were living in the Dhams in Vrindavan and Navadweep and Jagannath Puri. The idea of going to Calcutta was just, it was just not on the, on the chart there. It was the domain of the zone of Maya, but Bhakti Siddhanta considered that, that wherever there is Maya, then that was his zone hmm, to go there and and uh, bring the light, if you will, of Krishna consciousness that dissipates the darkness of um, of Maya. So he built a marble temple there in Calcutta, <clears throat> but in the end he. Uh, related to Prabhupada, that he, that, that, uh, in essence, in essence, with every such effort, there's going to be some downside, and the downside was that he found some of the disciples living in the temple were arguing over which room would be theirs, which is not, you know, what the place was for, if you will, um, so. He reasoned, Saraswati Thakur at the time, if it got bad enough, you can just sell the thing, sell the marbles, and use the money to print books. Print book publishing was kind of like a softer form, as some have said, of institutionalization uh, than, for example, the building of temples, opening a corporation, and so forth is. The latter, of course, facilitates persons participating um, but participating ultimately in what? In what the books are talking about. So the Goswamis began to institutionalize the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through their their writing. I've likened Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, personified, the very personification of, of ecstasy that he was to a great uh, waterfall that you have to stand back from and in awe and reverence here in North America, we have the Niagara Falls in Latin America. Uh, there are many spectacular uh, waterfalls that inspire us, uh, uh, invoke kind of an, an awe. Um, so, so it was with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy, particularly that which he uh, expressed or manifested in the Auntie Lila. It, it created some distance between himself and his disciples. They couldn't get close to him in his display or expression of, of, of Mahabhav. Sudipta, Mahabhav, very inflamed, uh, where the different uh, sattvika bhavas all at once um, magnified in intensity the likes of many times, the likes of which has never been seen in the world, all uh, occurring at, at, at once, 
um, his body couldn't contain his 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 perfected sadhaka day couldn't contain all, all, all the prem and remain even um, serviceable, if you will, uh, uh, to act, for him to act as a public uh, figure and interact with his with his associates. So this created some uh, some, some, some 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 distance. <clears throat> Um, what was the point? So, um, institutionalization, soft heart of the teaching, institutionalization of the teaching. Right. So, I likened that to that ecstasy of Mahaprabhu to, to extraordinary waterfall that you have to stand back from. That from that waterfall, the Goswamis turned into a lake in the form of their writing. So they made. The waterfall accessible through uh, excavation, if you will, um, and mining the sacred texts, and then locating Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his ecstasy on the texts and in texts of their own, drawn from the larger corpus of um, sacred texts of the Hindus, the Shastra, the Shruti, the Smriti, uh, and so forth. Um, and in this way, they made him uh, accessible in a kind of a softer form of institutionalizing the teachings, softer than the building of temples and make, forming an organization, all that's involved with that. And that latter form arises out of the former, and it is only as useful as it serves to further acquaint us with the core teachings and facilitates our putting them um, into, in, into practice. So it's possible that it could get in the way an institution. And Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, as large of an institution as he formed, expressed that himself about that hard form of institutions. And over that, it's that's well and good, and we should try for that if we have the energy for that, or the um, uh, order as Prabhupada took it um, to, to 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 try for, um, but uh, not at the cost of the books. He wanted an ongoing current of um, commentary which uh, serves to keep the tradition um, alive, if you will, and uh, up to date in consideration of time and circumstance. So the primary preoccupation of Prabhupada was his books, and, and within that, uh, the, 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 the bringing out the entirety of Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. But, as I mentioned, Krishna couldn't wait for that. Mm -hmm. And so he... His Tirubhav, his disappearance from the world, is a day in which Krishna decided to fulfill um, his ambition, hmm? as it, which I referred to in his poem aboard the Jaladutta, and bring him into the pastures and uh, forests in the friendly embrace of Krishna and his friends, herding cows and so forth. This was his inner aspiration as expressed in his poem and his 
and outwardly expressed um, by him um, as um, his ideal. Um, and it's notable, I believe, um, that Krishna chose to fulfill that ideal, bring him within his full embrace in, in the Brajlila. Um, just as Prabhupada completed the second of three chapters in the Bhagavatam that put together are the build up to um, the actual event and afterthought of the event being the referred to as the Brahma Mohan Lila, the bewilderment of 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 Brahma. It's uh, it's notable in um, a couple of ways, um, but again, just to emphasize, we often uh, it's accustomed to refer to occasions like this as the Tirubhav. Uh, they don't say in Gaudiya um, tradition, we don't say the death, hmm? um, but rather the disappearance from our mortal vision, which would mean, of course, the appearance elsewhere, or appearance in the Leela itself that he's preoccupied with internally, writing about, in particular at this time, writing about uh, Krishna's Sakiras Leelas that burst really as jubilantly as, as, as you can imagine, Sakiras is young boys with a, a, just a great enthusiasm for frolicking and, and uh, inventing games and playful sport and being free from the, from the, the burden of um, parental oversight uh, in, in the forest, which is just, you know, what's behind the next tree, who can say? Uh, so so much to explore, look under every rock, and adventure, and so forth. The Bhagavatam, uh, with with the Brahma Mohan Lila, bursts uh, the, the Sagarasa bursts onto the scene in the Bhagavatam. In this, uh, uh, there's this little little precursor to it in the eleventh chapter, but the twelfth chapter just bursts onto the scene with, with the friends of Krishna planning uh, a picnic in the forest, um, um, which would imply that they were going to stay out longer than they had been. This is just the end, the very end, the Seish Kumar, the end of his, his childhood um, Leela, when he's already herding calves and he's just about to turn into a cow herder and enter into his uh, Poganda Leela. So if you study the language of the Bhagavatam, just, just the very language itself just underscores this or just brings out this feeling of Sakiras bursting onto the scene. It's shocking to uh, Jiva Goswami, who after the Brahma Mohan Leela says, this is better than anything that's been written and said so far. Incredible. He's just staggered by that, thinking of it over and over again, the implications, both from a point of view of tattva and from the point of view of uh, Jiva Goswami, of course, himself is steeped in, in um, 
Madhuriya Rasa in Manjari Bab, but in his childhood, he worshiped Krishna in Balaram. Amongst all the Goswamis and, and the founding Acharyas, no one has written um, with slight departures, if you will, from a focus on Madhuriya Rasa and expressing appreciation for Sakya Rasa more than Jiva Goswami. <laughs> uh, very nice uh, sections where he shows his, his fondness for that. And indeed, for that matter, in his um, Preeti Sandarbha, unlike uh, Rupa Goswami, he says that in Dwaraka, the, the Madhurya Rasa is mixed with Dasya and in Braj is mixed with Sakya. That's another big subject I've written about that. We won't go into how that works. Um, um, but he had some affinity for that rasa, which is, of course, uh, highly compatible with Madhurya rasa, especially when it reaches the pitch of, of the, of the uh, Narmasakas who are so involved with um, Krishna's romantic affair, prayers from a friendly um, perspective or um, vantage point. So um, th- this is where Prabhupada was, this is what he was, w- w- was, was, was writing about as the days of his disappearance uh, approached. And just as he completed the second of those three chapters, he really wrote the 60, 60 second, 63rd, and 64th verses of the 13th chapter of the Bhagavatam, uh, which is the center chapter of these three that together make up the Brahma Vimohan Leela. Agasur has been killed hmm, in the previous chapter. Now Brahma's coming in in this chapter to see what, what that's all about. And of course, he becomes bewildered and enlightened at the same time. So the last three verses, Prabhupada wrote them in the same um, sitting. And I want to go into what, what that was like as well at the time. But um, the point I'm making at the moment is that, that with the conclusion of the 64th verse, the end of that 13th chapter, before the kind of epilogue, if you will, or the, the afterthought, the reflection of Brahma back on what happened, which constitutes the 14th chapter and his wonderful 30-some uh, prayers in uh, praise of Krishna, f- uh, filled with bhava and and perfect Gaudiya Siddhanta, especially with regard to establishing the foundational stone of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Um, this is the this is the Leela narrative in which that philosophical point is demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so there he ended and at the, the, the 64th verse, and Krishna took him. He didn't die. Krishna took him. <laughs> Krishna could not wait any longer. Hmm? You can imagine then how internally absorbed he was in, in that ideal, in those days of that uh, final section of his translation, translating work. He longed, this was, of course, significantly during the Kartik month uh, as well, he longed to, despite his physical uh, condition, to mount a bullock cart and circumambulate uh, Govardhan Hill with the coming 
as it was um, in those days, building up to his passing of the uh, Govardhan Puja Leela and the festivities surrounding that. Um, he told us at the time, and I, I was there. This was going on, of course, for a period of about six weeks or so, where he was really um, uh, moving in the direction of passing. His translation work was becoming more and more difficult due to his physical uh, incapacitation, um, but still he persisted. Um, uh, and then, of course, the Kartik months came on. I was there about five, I think, so weeks before he left. And um, I had come in May when he first went there to Vrindavan. He, he first went to Prishikesh for his health. And then I think he understood health is not getting better. So he went, followed his heart and went to Vrindavan. And um, that's the first time his disciples kind of put, were in his immediate entourage, the word out that, you know, that the prophet's physical condition is, is, is really deteriorating and um, he, could, he could pass at any time. And it was in May in, in Vrindavan, it was very, very hot at that time. I went and spent the month of May there with him. And um, <laughs> towards the end of the month, um, Pishima, Baba Tarini, Prabhupada's sister came. And practically Prabhupada was only eating like Charnamrita. Um, but she cooked um, some, what's that called? Uh, where, you, where you burn the bottom of the pot. And then... Anyway, Prabhupada but, but liked it's quite a rich preparation. Um, she cooked some of that with puris because she knew Prabhupada loved it, you know. And everybody was telling him, he can't cook, he can't eat that, you know. He's not. But he ate it, mm, some of it. And then we all thought, Pishima has cured him, you know, he's better, he's well now, it's miraculous. And so, meanwhile, you know, the meantime, the mission, of course, was going on and it had all types of concerns uh, for. Um, both the foot soldiers and, and the leaders and, and so forth. So some of us amongst them, myself, returned to our preaching areas and whatnot. But then um, as the summer progressed and uh, seasons changed again in September, well, July, rainy season, and then the autumn came, um, Prophet's condition uh, deteriorated further. So I returned and spent um, a month or so, six weeks there with him. Um, there at that time, we began the 24-hour kirtans. I had one o'clock, 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. was my shift. I was alone. I would come and chant um, just Hare Krishna Mahamantra. And um, I've told that story before, but I won't repeat it. Um, but um, it was during that time, I also used to massage Prabhupada's feet in the day when he was um, on his bed. One, on one occasion, famously, of course, as you know, and I've repeated, uh, I was doing so when he said for, when he was asked by Tamal Krishnamurti, if there's anyone we could uh, get guidance from for arranging the samadhi, the, the funeral procedures, should he pass. And he said for that, you know, talk to uh, 
Narayan Maharaj in Mathura. And then Tamakrishna Maharaj said, after he passed, he asked, is there anyone else we can consult? He said, for philosophy, as I was massaging problems, he'd be our Sridhar Maharaj of Navadvita. That kind of just like went in and never, never came out, went into my head, sent it down to my heart and kept it there. And then when the opportunity arose, of course, it came out and here I am so much um, product of not only Prabhupada's association, Siksha and example, but that of Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj um, as well. But on another occasion during that period, I was also massaging his feet and the possibility of his passing and his age and so forth was, was being discussed and Prabhupada said about death, he said, there is no death. We, and we are all young boys. There were only males in the room, but I think he would have said that even if there were females. He was, of course, <laughs> from my perspective at the time, referring to his internal reality. One way was the way he related to us. And often I experienced him bringing what I considered bringing himself down from his inner reality to deal with the outer reality of whatever my relative concerns with regard to the preaching mission may have been or need for instruction um, and, and, and so forth. So yes, he envisioned himself as a, as a young, young boy and, and his passing from the world, this is Krishna's arrangement. And he took him just at the end of the Brahma Vimohan Leela, which is a nice time uh, also because after the, the, it ends with the prayers in one sense, but the, but the bewilderment of Brahma ends at this point. Mm-hmm. And then Krishna carries on, mm-hmm. goes back to his normal play and all of the boys rejoin him at that time, right? Mm-hmm. When Brahma came, he wanted to steal, his idea was to, was to, to kidnap the boys and the calves, first one, then the other. As the calves strayed from the picnicking, a picnicking that Prabhupada repeatedly aspired to express an aspiration to enter into. This is a very extraordinary picnic because he who is Yajnibuk, the enjoyer, who doesn't eat or eats by sacrifice, was actually eating. Brahma knew him as 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 the as he who eats by sacrifice. You make a sacrifice, and he eats. I guess, <laughs> but here was actually eating, and eating in an extraordinary way by placing food in his mouth, tasting it, sharing it with other boys. As I've said on other occasions, the boys would taste from the many preparations, hmm? exchanging them with one another from their different plates, whatever they tasted, they thought was super excellent, they would put it in Krishna's mouth as if it was a second tongue of their own. Hmm? And whatever tasted second best, they would place in the mouth of another coward boy. Whatever tasted third best, they would taste themselves. But each devote, each each coward had different sensibilities. So as everything got passed around, everything was considered the best. Hmm? And Brahma saw this and he wasn't sure if the Krishna he was seeing in Gopavesh was the same Krishna in Gopavesh dressed as a Gopa who appeared before him, showing the Gyan Mudra, exhibiting the Gyan Mudra and giving Upanishadic 
wisdom in the four essential verses of the Bhagavatam, which is Shrutisaram Ekam, which is the essence of the Upanishads themselves. Um, it's one thing if he's dressed like a coward, which is peculiar in itself, but then speaking like a real guru uh, and it, it, uh, maybe was oblivious to his external appearance. It could be thought, but here he was <laughs> in a Gopa Vesh and acting like a Gopa. Hmm? And, and a Gopa who didn't know better how to, you know, as in childhood, your mother has to teach you, no, don't put that in his mouth, don't put that in your mouth, don't eat like, like that. Don't spill that. Don't, eat this, this is better for you. It's, so without that kind of overbearing super, supervision, there he was. And Brahma thought, maybe he's an imposter. That was his offense. For a moment, maybe he's an imposter in his mind. And so he wanted to test him. So he thought to separate, when the calves separated, he'd steal the calves. And when Krishna went after the calves, he'd steal the boys. Of course, what happened was, um, Krishna, the boys and the calves all remained in one prakash, one like window or section of the Leela hmm, that Brahma couldn't, was not permitted to enter into. And it's and for a year, it just continued. Hmm? The minute that, uh, well, anyway, for a year it continued. Hmm? And meanwhile, separate from that, a facsimile of the boys was, was hidden in the calves and so forth. So when uh, Prabhupada's translation is ending, then, all of the opulence that Krishna showed hmm, in the Leela. Again, demonstrating through the narrative, through the practical example that Krishna is too Bhagavan Swayam. Uh, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. This, Jiva Goswami says, is the Paribas Sutra. It's kind of the password to unlocking the, the program um, for, for building a temple of Bhakti in the heart, a Rag Bhakti temple. To enter there, you have to get this point straight. Krishna is the source of all, uh, the fountainhead of all forms of divinity. He is determined to be such by the measure of rasa that we found in him, because after all, God is Rasa. Hmm? And the measure of Rasa we find in him exceeds that that we find in any other expression of divinity. He can, in the form of Krishna, reciprocate in love in all ways with um, uh, his devotees. Hmm? Um, if you want to love unconditionally, without reservation, you, you have to be able to repose that love in a center that can fully take the love. Then you will experience the fullness of the idea that giving is a receiving. You'll experience the receiving in the context of giving to the extent to which the giving is without reservation, number one, and you give yourself. But number two, that you give yourself to a source or to, or to, a, to, a, to a center um, 
excuse me. Yeah, your your video is not uh, now. Now I can see you, Gurmash. Yeah, your image disappeared for a while. I didn't want to interrupt. Sorry. Okay, Thank a center that, that can actually um, take the love. So this is this, of course, philosophically, we we come to the conclusion this is this is Krishna. The statement is made in the third chapter, the first canto of the Bhagavatam, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swam, after the description of a number of different avatars. Um, but in the tenth canto, then, that teaching is played out in the form of the Leela in, in, in this particular Brahma Vimohan Leela. Because as you know, Krishna showed himself to be the source of all the worlds. Hmm. of all the universes, of all the Narayans, that uh, all the Mahavishnus manifest uh, in all the different universes, all coming from him. That all this was inside of whatever was there, uh, worthy of having, was to be found in Braj and more. Brahma saw all this, and then it all disappeared in a moment, in a flash. And there was Krishna just standing. Hmm with a lump of rice and fruit in, in, in his left hand, looking as a bewildered cowherd as this four-headed fellow, golden fellow, st- stood before him and collapsed. Hmm? He collapsed. At this point, what's, ha- what's happening, this is, of course, we're talking about this because this is what's happening, <laughs> this is what Prabhupada's preoccupied with at the time of his passing. Um, when the opulence the Aishvarya disappeared and the Madhurya took uh, center stage. Then the peacefulness of Vrindavan, uh, Sukadev, maybe the 59th verse of this chapter, used the word Samapriya, Sa, Priya, Ma. Hmm. I think maybe Sanatan Prabhu says, Sahi, Brahma, hmm. Priya, dear, Ma, Radha. He started to become influenced by the influence of Radha that pervades the Braj. She is Bhakti Devi. As I've said before, there's a little bit of Radha in every devotee. We call that Ladini. He started to come from his Deva sensibilities to leave them behind. Hmm? He's a big deva, Brahma. Big, big person, right? In the world. Hmm? So that worldly ego, he starts to leave behind by the influence of now the Ladini Shakti that is so uh, central to the forming of the spiritual ego and the bhakti swarup with which we will participate ultimately in Lila Seva ourselves. So Brahma's his example is there. He he, 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 he he actually started to come under that influence. His spiritual ego in Sakiras started to manifest. Of course, this is not a Madhurya Ras Leela, the Brahma Vimohan Leela. It's Sakiras and also slightly Vatsalya Ras Leela. Hmm? You can enter into Vatsalya Ras through this Leela. In, 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 when it manifests in the world, and obviously through Sakiras uh, as well as, as, as arguably Brahma did, <clears throat> um, but he got he got off of his 
his carrier, swan carrier, and he what? As now we go into the verses that Prabhu was translating 62, 63, 64, he touched the ground, Brahma. He touched down. What does it mean? It said that the devas never touched the ground. Hmm. So it means that his deva ego disappeared. Hmm. Is dissipating now. Hmm. And under the influence of the Ladini Shakti, uh, uh, he's uh, developing this uh, ego and bhava of a friend of Krishna now being acquainted with the, the Vishaya Lambana, the, the actual form of Krishna that corresponds with the full expression of Sakiras, the, the Ashraya Lambana, the friends of Krishna who personify it, and all the other ecstatic in, ingredients that, that, that are, were uh, manifest through the boys, their Anubhavas, uh, their uh, Sanchari Bhavs, and, and so on and so forth. There's getting a, like a sort of hands-on kind of entry into uh, the, 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 the uh, Bhakti Rasa chapter on, on Bhakti Rasa, on, on Sakya Rasa. Hmm. So the two things are converging here. Hmm. And they're, they're the two things that, uh, that in, in, in one sense, very much characterized Prabhupada. Hmm. One thing is that uh, is, is Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. This very much characterized Prabhupada. In his own words, he repeated this sutra again and again and again and again and again and again and again, and again hmm? with the translation, Krishna, comma, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. If you were an editor, you might think it's a little repetitious, Prabhupada. You might want to use different words here and there to say that, to get your, your point across, or you already made the point, hmm? Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. You don't have to, every time you mention his name, you don't have to say that. Didn't do it every time, but a good part of the time, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, Krishna's too, Bhagavan Swayam. So Prabhupada was repeating this again and again and again, this foundational stone, hmm? putting it in place. Hmm? This was this characterized his whole campaign. Hmm? Um, largely from the point of view of, of tattva. And so here he is now in this, absorbed in this leela that in which this point is, is brought out so ch- in such a charming way such a beautiful way, in such a convincing way. We can look at the grammar in the third chapter of the first canto, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, and argue as Madhva does. It doesn't really mean that Krishna is the source of all avatars or however someone else might deal with it and so forth. And of course, we have our own Krishna Sandarbha, where Jiva Goswami, the whole book is based on this Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam Sutra. It makes a pretty convincing uh, theological argument and support of that um, uh, notion. Um, but here, in these chapters, it's, 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 you, know, it's undeniable. Hmm? 
Some persons have tried to deny it by saying those chapters are not part of the original Bhagavatam. Hmm? They're interpolated. They must have come in later on because it doesn't just fit with our interpretation of the Bhagavatam, which doesn't put Krishna as, as the source of all, all uh, expressions of divinity. But that's, that's, that's not a very good argument in, in, in itself. So the chapters in no uncertain terms demonstrate this to Brahma's four heads, all four of them, which as these three verses that Prabhupada translated and, and commented on in the one setting, which is the last setting that he, that he um, 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 uh, you know, participated in the terms of his, his, his translation and commentary of the Bhagavatam. Um, Brahma gets off of his, 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 his goose, uh, his swan, <laughs> honker, you know, they fly long distances. Um, and, and he uh, uh, touches down on earth as the gods don't do. Now he's, be, he's become human-like hmm, to enter the Leela, hmm, to become like Krishna to enter his Leela. Uh, some sense of equality here now is coming in the midst of the Aishwari. That's disappeared now. There is Krishna. And his four heads, with his four heads, he, he, he hits the ground. It's a problem for him, of course, because he, he wants to bow all four heads at once, but inevitably two are going look, looking to the left and right, and one is looking up, and only one is looking down. Hmm? And all of them, and all of the eight eyes are weeping, weeping. Hmm? With the heads, one head down at the feet of Krishna, weeping, he's bathing Krishna's um, lotus feet in Aishvarya. You are the supreme personality of God. And with his other head on the back that's looking up, he sees the form of Krishna. Hmm? He sees his face, his smiling face, and his madhurya. Hmm? Brahma's looking madhurya and aishvarya at the same time. From the madhurya to aishvarya, then he turns his head. So his head looking left, looking right, will be looking down. The one looking left will be looking up. This way, he turns his head around. Eventually, all four heads touch the, touch the feet of Krishna. All four heads look up at the same time. Uh, one down, one up at the same time and see his face. And through understanding the tattva, Krishna's two Bhagavan in the context of the setting, of Sakyarasa, he enters in to the um, um, the sweetness of Krishna Lila and is now, of course, capable or in a position to speak the wonderful prayers, Brahma, that he does in the 14th chapter, fueled by his Baba, perfect Gaudiya uh, Siddhanta, Tattva. Hmm? And, and the center of those prayers, of course, he expresses his, his own uh, affinity. Ho bhagyam, ho bhagyam, nanda gopa bhajokasa, yan mitram paramanandam, purna brahma, sanatanam. Of course, I've written about this. Um, I'll read it to you, the essence of this prayers. Praising those ragatmika with ragatmika sakyaprem and glorifying braj 
the coward kingdom of Nanda, as the domain of Sakyam. Brahma clearly stated that eternal, sanatanam, friendship, mitram, is the highest bliss, paramanandam. At the same time, he explained that Krishna, as the complete expression of Brahman, Purna Brahma, is also himself the highest bliss, personified as one's eternal friend. Then, praising the residents of Braj in general and the cowherd boys in particular, he expressed his longing in Sambandhanuga Bhakti to reside therein by means of taking shelter of their lotus feet. He did not pray directly for Krishna to bless him to become a cowherd, but rather he prayed to attain the dust from the feet of the residents of Braj, Jad Gokule P. Takamangri Raja Bishekam. He prayed that is to attain the dust of their feet, their grace, and that of the cowherd boys in particular, who were right there, Iha Atabhyam, in that very forest, in the midst of Krishna's cowherding, which serves as a portal to eternal friendship, knowing, Brahma, knowing that the good fortune, Buribhagyam, of Rag Bhakti is only attained by the grace of such devotees. In other words, he showed his skill in bhajan as he longed for Baba Bhakti by way of not asking directly Krishna to be blessed, but trying to get the shelter of the feet of the Raigatmikas, in this case, Krishna's friends. And then, of course, he concludes his prayers with Nam Sankirtan, Shri Krishna, Vishnu, Kula, etc. This is an overview of a couple of uh, verses, but primarily centered on these, the central verse of that uh, 30-some verses of Brahma in the 14th chapter. So what we find relevant to Prabhupada, of course, here is that, is that he left the world in this chapter having written his commentary on something that throughout his teaching he emphasized over and over and over again. And he kind of completed it here with the, because again, in no uncertain terms, it's brought out. And it's such an important point of philosophy for, uh, for, for Gaudiya, Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So from the point of view of Tattva, and then from the point of view of Bala, this is the chapter where it, this, Sakyarasa really bursts, as I said earlier, onto the scene. And, um, and, and, it, and clearly this was uh, Prabhupada's ideal. So Krishna is taking him, took him from the world, right in the midst, right, right at the perfect point. This is the point again, when in the Leela, that he's writing about. Everything in Vrindavan is returned normal. Brahma is stunned. He pays his obeisances. And 
ultimately all of Krishna's friends reassemble with him and carry on with the Leela. And amongst them, Swami Prabhupada is, 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 is fully in the, in the fold. He's shown an entry point here, a portal in the, in the Bhagavatam Leela. We, we feel that this is, this is the point where he entered into that Leela. So it's, 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 I thought it would be a little of interest to the devotees to speak a little bit about um, this in terms of Prabhupada's passing and again, what arguably he was internally and principally preoccupied with. We get a, the hint from all of this, the kind of way I'm speaking about this, to then, for those so interested, especially his disciples, to follow him hmm? where he is. Where is he? Hmm? Is he is he now to be called on to decide whether women should be gurus or not? I mean, you know, this is not... This is not uh, what would he say now? What would he do now? What did he say then? Hmm? What was he doing then? Where did he go? Where is he now? The more we become thoughtfully um, and appropriately preoccupied relative to our sadhana, in at least by attaching ourselves to and serving devotees who have more adhikar for entering there, if not entering there ourselves, the more this is our preoccupation the more all relative issues, problems, concerns will dissipate and uh, disappear altogether. Just like the whole, you can imagine how preoccupied with the world Brahma was. Hmm? It all just disappeared hmm? in this leela. It all disappeared. Hmm? Who's going to be president? Who's not? Who, who, who? We care on a relative level, but otherwise... Hmm? Who cares? Hmm. Hmm. More, there are more, more important things to think about. But only think about that if it gets in the way of thinking about what's important to the extent that it does. We, we may have to bring it up and uh, so on. So um, these are a few thoughts I had. Um, and it's just kind of scratching the surface again of Prabhupada's um, uh, preoccupation at the time of passing, I, I, I wanted to, and I will now try to conclude with this, uh, relate, um, which is of interest, how it is that Prabhupada um, wrote these verses, which gives you some idea of how he wrote all of his commentary, which is quite different, I think, than how most devotees think he wrote it. Is it either now extreme circumstances, because Prabhupada is very physically incapacitated, hmm? so he's using the dictaphone, but he can't even hold the dictaphone, so someone is holding it for him, um, and Pradyumna, who was his Sanskrit um, scholar, was uh, doing the translations of the verses, which was not out of the ordinary, and then bringing them to Prabhupada, along with translations of the commentaries and what was, what was being said, and um, um, then uh, presenting it to Prabhupada, and Prabhupada was responding, yes, and this means this, and yes, and, and, and so forth. And then, um, and, and Pradyumna would even say something like he said, for example, uh, because Prabhupada is saying, yes, uh, now 
the opulence is, has disappeared and Krishna's standing there, Dvibhuj Krishna, two-armed Krishna, human-like form. He said, yes, and this, is, this is Krishna. And then I think Pradyumna said at that time, yeah, in the, in the Bible it said that God appears in, what does it say? In, in the image of, man is made in the image of God, something like that. So perhaps, yes, and then, so he put that in the, in the purport. Hmm? In the Bible it said, man is made in the image of God. Yes. Uh, so this was, you know, a suggestion or just a comment by Perduna that he, that he picked up on. So the way in which he came to his, uh, after that, of course, then that conversation between Prabhupada and Perduna, which was recorded, hmm, that was taken by Jayadwaita Swami, who kind of put it all together um, and wrote it up into the form of sentences and and, and paragraphs, and amongst those involved at the time, um, uh, directly had it approved. Now, these were extraordinary circumstances, but they're not that different from how Prabhupada wrote his Bhagavatam or the spirit in which he wrote his Bhagavatam. Obviously, Pradyumna wasn't always there telling him this is exactly what it said here, because Prabhupada couldn't take the time to you know read the commentary himself. He would read the commentary himself, ordinarily, but he would, uh, drawing from the commentaries, and then his own feeling, he would write something, but it wasn't um, without openness to any suggestion that might come along. Mm -hmm. Now, for the most part, the devotees didn't have any suggestions, they didn't know what to say, but if they did, as in this case, Perdumna did, he readily gave suggestions and said, no, that doesn't say that, it says this, or maybe that, and Prabhupada was taking it into consideration and writing it. Mm -hmm. I say this because it's often thought almost like Prabhupada just closed his eyes and the pen just moved and he wrote it and, and don't change any word and, uh, and, and so forth. And, um, but um, I, I wrote something I had, uh, wasn't sure, I was pretty exactly which verse Prabhupada ended with. And um, the text indicates the 64th verse, but um, so I posted on this forum um, and on the Facebook for Prabhupada's disciples, um, anybody had any information about that? And then it, it ended up into an interesting discussion, which, which uh, lent, I thought, and was appreciated, uh, me posting a couple of comments from my book on the Brahma Vimohan Leela. And then someone said, oh, uh, looks like you wrote this after consulting other commentaries. I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's what Prabhupada did. <laughs> It's almost like, well, it's not fair. You consulted other commentaries here. And, and of course I did. I consulted other commentaries. And I often cite them as well. But uh, then, you know, there's, a, there's an amalgamation. And then your own feeling is expressed. And then you send it to somebody else and say, what do you think, Maharaj? And he says, that sounds great. But this part over here, you might have thought about this. Then maybe you add that. This is actually the way in which Prabhupada wrote his books. Or would have that much more had we, his disciples, been qualified enough to make comments, to give feedback, um, and so forth. And this is the way the Goswamis wrote their books. I just think this is an interesting point as an aside. Hmm? Jiva Goswami wrote commentaries on, on, on Rupa Goswami, commentary on Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. They were writing books at the same time. Surely they shared them with one another and got feedback and um, and so on and so forth, which 
demonstrates the fact that there's some some relativity to it. There's more than one correct way to say things. There are there are different feelings that can be that will be expressed that have never been expressed before. Ways of speaking about the lila that previously weren't spoken about. Details and so forth that arise from the feelings of devotees who have feelings for these things. And of course, the standard is whether they're correct or not. We want to get away from this objective. It was exactly like this, which is sometimes how some of Prabhupada's disciples think about it. The Leela happened exactly like this. Any as he wrote about it, any other way of saying it, it must be something wrong. But there's more than more than enough ways, more than one way in which it's it's correct and so forth. Even the Goswamis have written about the same Leelas with different details at, 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 at different times. Um, so it's, it's not, it's more subjective than objective, even while the subjectivity that comes out falls within the objective parameters of what is Rasatattva. So that's the standard. For example, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, when prayers were offered to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through the medium of Srup Damodar, he would check to see if they were appropriate, correct in terms of Siddhanta, Tattva, and that in terms of Rasa, that they didn't include some abhas, rasa abhas, but if they met this criterion, then another thing has been said about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that would be celebrated. Something like this. So this just speaks to the kind of ongoing dynamic nature of uh, Krishna Leela. And and it helps to, understanding this helps us to kind of, uh, separate us, helps us to separate ourselves from this overbearing materialistic, philosophy speaking, philosophically speaking, materialistic maha mantra of objectivity, third person, objective, verifiable truth. Unless we have that, it's not true. It's not real. It's not actually happening. We don't have proof that you yourself exist, so it must not be there. This is like this like overbearing. Hmm? Again, it's the Maha Mantra. Hmm? Krishna's appearance in the world is not so much of a historical event as it is an event in the lives of devotees. Even if it is a historical reality, what they experience is not what everybody else experiences and would write about if they were writing about it in a critical historical way. Vyas saw something in Krishna Leela after going into meditation, then wrote about it poetically to express all that it meant to him. Hmm? Um, in Christianity, the focus is objectively, which is what's real, not really, but that's how it's thought in the world. Christ appeared in history at this particular time and did this. Hmm? This is uh, too much emphasis on this is just playing into the, again, the, the Maha Mantra of, of materialism. Hmm? So that's an important point, I believe, to, to um, consider. Again, that doesn't, but there are objective, there's an objective criterion of what constitutes rasa tattva. Hmm? Hmm? Then within that, there are so many possibilities. And Prabhupada's life internally is one of those possibilities, certainly worth, um, celebrating and we follow him 
in his passing on this day through the text of Srimad Bhagavatam that he found himself preoccupied with at the time when Krishna brought him uh, into his fold and fulfilled his ambition to enter into such a friendly Leela Seva. Bhagavan Shri Krishna Kijai. Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Kijai. Srila Prabhupada Bhav Mahamotsabhati Kijai. Gantarashimad Bhagavatam Kijai. Gaur Bhakta Brinda Kijai. Gaur Premanandi. Thank you for that. Really incredibly beautiful class. Um, so did you, want, did you want to take questions? Um, <clears throat> devotees are all muted. You can, I think you can unmute yourselves. Um, shouldn't be able to, but I think you can. Try it, anybody. <laughs> and if you can't, if you have a question. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, if anyone has a question. Oh, now you're muted. Wait a minute, Swami. Got to get you unmuted. Are you on, you have to unmute yourself, actually. I'm unmuted now. Okay. Well, I hope that uh, you're all having some. Oh, I see a nice, a nice dog there in Finland. <laughs> Looks very friendly. Hmm. Krishna. What's his name? Huh. This is this is Radha's. make that yeah. out. This is Radha's dog Frodo. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope you're all having some celebration um, in your homes and all getting together on this occasion. This is our celebration. Our celebration. <laughs> Seeing you and hearing your class is our celebration. Okay. Well, that sounds good. That's good. It's, it's nice to be with you all. I hope you're all staying safe. And um, I think we have another, do we have another talk during the Kartik? Yes, we have one on Sunday for Gopastami. Sunday, Gopastami. I think that's the third week of Kartik. Hopefully you've all accepted some some commitment, some brut for the month and uh, and getting strength from um, fulfilling that going forward. And so I look forward then. Uh, oh. Here's something. Someone has written a, it's a question. He says privately, but it's written on here. So on the topic of, this is from Ananta Govinda. On the topic of Prabhupada's sentiments, Sakirata, we know that he established worship of Krishna Balaram and Vrindavan, one of the most important temples he built. Are there any other temples where Krishna Balaram are worshiped as main deities? While traveling India, I never visited a temple where Krishna Balaram were worshipped. And Ananta Govinda asked, can I comment on this? It's a good good question. Um, yes, Prabhupada established uh, deities of Krishna Balaram and Vrindavan in the way they're standing with Krishna 
with Balaram resting on the shoulder of Krishna was the was the pose that that came in in, in Prabhupada's heart. He directed that, and that pose, or just a very very minor variation of that, has become a uh, almost a, a standard uh, form, sculpted form of of, of Krishna and Balaram in temples um, around the world, um, wherever they they are. Now that, of course, regard to your question, is arising out of Prabhupada's bhava and is mostly extended um, through the work of his disciples and grand disciples and those 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 those, those influenced um, by him. So you have some Krishna Balaram temples in Iskon. After that, I think there's one in Bhubaneswar. I know there's one in in France in a rural community in France called New Mayapur. Um, there's Krishna Balaram deities there. Um, uh, I know there is a, uh, a temple in Queens, one of the districts in New York, where Krishna Balaram deities have been been established, uh, and there are more. But again, uh, this is um, after the Krishna Balaram temple. It's kind of following in the bob of that or the enthusiasm of that. Um, but your question may also relate to prior to that and outside of Gaudiya Vaishnavism or within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Well, I did mention earlier that from the written record, it's clear that Krish, that Jiva Goswami worshipped Krishna Balaram deities in his youth, and it's pretty uncommon, I would uh, I would say, comparatively speaking, to, for example, Radha Krishna deities. By contrast, much more um, widely uh, established form of the deity. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur established. Everywhere, Radha and Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Radha Krishna Nahyanya. By way of saying Radha and Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna combined. A very important point of, of philosophy. But uh, there are some examples. And now, I, where the deities of the of childhood deities of Jiva Swami are, I don't know uh, if if that if they are that that's that's known. But it's there in the written record. Um, in Vrindavan, this came up last week or when we were talking about Govardhan Puja, on top of Govardhan Hill, there's a deity, well, it's a Govardhan Shila thought to be Balaram. Uh, Doka Dauji is his name. Cheating older brother, it means. Is it, there's a leel in which it said that he climbed to the top of Govardhan Hill and hid there to watch the Ras, the, the interaction, the Gopi Bab, the interaction between the Gopis and Krishna, which he doesn't, you know, he can't directly participate in being the older brother. So in a cheating way, he got up on top there. So there's a deity of Balaram there. There's a famous Balaram deity in Vrindavan that um, was, uh, whose temple was acquired by Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj in, uh, in recent times, in the 20th century, I believe. Um, very nice temple there now under the care of Bodhayan Maharaj, the successor from Udpuri Goswami. And uh, that that was a Balaram temple. And there's some nice stories about the Balaram deity there, interaction with 
with the previous owner who had established the temple and a man from Calcutta, and devotee from Calcutta and passed away. Um, and Puri Maharaj, did he add a deity of Krishna? I'm not sure. I, I think he might've added a deity of Mahaprabhu who is Krishna <laughs> along with Balaram. But there are, um, you know, uh, maybe a few, but they're rare in comparison. And, and that's the, the, the number of temples that since that time have um, been established with Krishna Balaram as the central deities or as, as uh, um, deities along with other deities as Prabhupada used to do um, is, is considerable, which speaks to the, you know, the, the power of, of the wave, if you will, of Saki Bob that he was surfing the world on. So, Hope I have that, a question. Nope. Yes, Mahara. Uh, um, I just wondered, um, since Prabhupada seemed to know everything, he knew his cowherd boy name, and he knew a lot, did, would he still be going to one of the universes to take? Would he be going to what? One of the different universes in the material world. Be, be would he be going he to, went to the, to the spiritual oh. world? Or, uh-huh, yeah. That's a spiritual world too, but um, Prabhupada, you know, it, it's best for us to um, make that determination in the least um, without realization and experience on the basis of what he actually said about himself. Hmm? Um, and um, distance ourselves from what we might feel, especially if it proves to contradict what he said. So about himself, Prabhupada uh, repeatedly said that he was uh, born in a Vaishnava family hmm? um, because of his previous life's um, involvement with, with bhakti, that um, he, during which he had not completed his, per, his, uh, the course, if you will, which he would then reference to uh, with um, Bhagavad Gita, which speaks about um, two courses of devotees who, well, it's speaking about yoga, but but ultimately the chapter is about um, bhakti yoga and the whole discourse on the yoga of Krishna that carries from the middle of the second chapter to the end of the sixth chapter begins with bhakti and ends with bhakti. So it's um, appropriate to, as Prabhupada did, interpreted those verses in the sixth chapter that speak about the yogi as he's speaking about a devotee as well that doesn't perfect himself. Um, either goes to heaven and then takes birth in a pious family, picks up where he or she left, left off, or takes birth in a Vaishnava family if they're more advanced in, in, their, in their practice, but haven't perfected it. So probably repeatedly refer to those that, that verse of the sixth chapter of the Bhagavatam in reference to himself. Now you could say, well, that's his humility and so forth. Uh, really, he was, uh, you know, coming from Goloka Vrindavan. But again, you, they, we'd be safer just to, just to go with what he said and what our sentiment might be. Um, and what he said is not a small thing. Hmm? 
Also, he said, Prabhupada once said, it took me 30 years to perfect the chanting. Hmm. He told us that, so you may have a few years left. Or yeah. <laughs> he also said that in my previous life, I was a doctor and I committed no sins. Do you remember that? Hearing that? So, I mean, we're going to say he just made these things up to be humble, or is that that's what he said? So, we'll just, I just go with that. So, if we go with that, then we look at Prabhupada as a sadhana siddha. When asked about nitya siddha versus sadhana siddha, which is better, which is worse, Prabhupada said, siddha means siddha. Hmm? So, that's that's the end of the story there. Um, there is a difference between nitya siddhas and sadhana siddhas. But to say one is better than the other is a relative concern, consideration. Nitya siddhas are the ones we will follow, these paradigmatic figures, Lalita, Vishaka, hmm, uh, Sridham, Subal, and so forth, uh, as, 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 as may be the case. Um, um, but following them hmm, itself is uh, ex- extraordinary and it sets an example of how to follow Viragatmikas for all of us. Um, in his commentary on Great Bhagavatamrita, speaking about Prahlad in the first canto, Sanatana Goswami makes the point that the sadhana siddhas are better than the nitya siddhas. Hmm? So again, it's, it's relative. He says, why? Because like Prahlad, who he's looking at as a sadhana siddha there, he was tested where the Raikatmikas, they never get tested. Hmm? I mean, it's kind of silly in a sense, but it's just, it's just a way of glorifying Prahlad. Hmm? So sadhana siddha is very glorious and Prabhupada depicted himself as, as such repeatedly. Um, and it stands to reason that for the most part, what we'll find in disciplic succession is, is sadhana siddhas because um, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for example, appears, his associates come with him. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu departs, his associates go with him. Hmm? But do you think that they keep coming back again and all? Maybe, but um, they're pretty attached to being with him. And he's pretty attached to being with them as well. Uh, so, uh, I mean, there is a mention in in Brihad Bhagavatamrita of devotees from Vaikuntha being sent out for canvassing in the world, hmm? who could be arguably Nityasiddhas. Hmm? But Vaikuntha is different than Goloka. Hmm? They don't have the same attachment in Orion that Krishna's friends and lovers have for him. It makes it pretty difficult for them to leave there for preaching. You will. <laughs> so one could argue like that. But um, uh, given what, again, what Prabhupada said about himself, then I would think that the, as is shown in the texts, the sages of Dandakaranya, they were culturing Gopi Bhav, and they took birth in the Prakat Leela. The presiding deities of the Upanishads, similarly, they took birth in the Prakat Leela. Other examples are given by uh, Goswamis in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and in the commentaries of Sakirasa and Vatsali Rasa, which uh, those cultivating those those Bhavas took birth 
in the Prakat Lila, and attain, and that was a, as a was a portal. There are exceptions, you could say, to the rule because we find that Gopal Kumar, the protagonist of the second canto of Gopal Champu, doesn't take birth in the Prakat Lila. He's living in Braj, meditating on the Lila, on the Prakat Lila, and he goes directly to the Aprakat Lila. But um, that is would be seen as, as I would say, an, an exception hmm? because there are features of the Stayibhavs in Braj that, or developments of them, intensifications of them, that are next to impossible to develop outside of having a direct association of those who um, uh, are experiencing those uh, developments or intensifications of their um, Stayibhav. Um, so, Based on that, it would be reasonable to conclude that, and you say, well, he knew who he was, he knew his name, he knew everything. What's, wouldn't he just go directly to Goloka? No, those things are required for going to the Prakat Leela. Hmm? Of course, you can find out more when you go there as well. <clears throat> I have a general idea. If it's think, think of it, Nanda Maharaj is my father. Yashoda is my mother because they're the mother and father of every boy in, in Braj, every girl in Braj, even though they have their own fathers and mothers as well, it's possible. We find Gopal Kumar went there. He didn't know who his father and mother was. And Krishna's, Krishna's in, a, in his own way showed him, go, to, go, with, go home with Sridham. After, after, after breakfast, go back, get ready for cow herding, go home with Sridham and, and then return. Mm -hmm. I'm indicating that you're in Sridham's family, go there. So, so the Prakat Lila, some wonderful things could be, details could be added to your, what's called Swarup city, that you can enter into the Vastu city, Prakat Lila. Does that help? Yes, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Anything else? Guru Maharaj. Yes. There is one question sent via Facebook by Annapurna. So oh. she's asking, uh, she's saying in the in one in the Spanish say, streaming, she says, You say that Prabhupada along his life he showed constantly his mood. So how is that he was able to speak so much about Madhurya to the point that, that some devotees thought that he was a gopi? Could you share some thoughts on that? Yes, he's coming out. Okay, let me five seconds translate that into Spanish. Same. Okay, Guru Maharaj, thank you. The fact is that Prabhupada did not speak so much about Gopi Bhav that some of his disciples thought he was in Gopi Bhav. He spoke about Gopi Bhav in a broad way, in terms of Rasa Tattva, by saying, and this is the highest ideal, and this is the highest ideal. Hmm? He made that uh, clear. As Gopakumar does, for example, in the second canto of uh, 
of um, Brihad Bhagavatamrita, even though his own bhava is that of Anarmasaka. And as in the first canto of Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Narada, who is the expansion of Madhu Mangal, and who, according to Bhaktivasamrita Sindhu, is in Sakyarasa himself, he points out the highest ideal is the love of the gopis. So Prabhupada pointed that out, but he didn't speak about gopi bhav to such an extent that some of his disciples began to think he was a gopi. The fact of the matter is, most of his disciples who thought about it thought that he was in Gopabhav, in Sakyabhav. Hmm? Let me give you an example of a, of a prominent disciple of Prabhupada that comes to mind. Hmm? My god sister, Jadurani, hmm, who later was uh, affectionately referred to by her Siksha Guru, Pujapada Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj, as Shamarani. Hmm? She was under the impression, just from associating with Prabhupada and from the things that he said and, and so forth and wrote, that Prabhupada was in Sagirasa. Hmm? Until she met, met Narayan Maharaj hmm? and came under his influence. When she came under Narayan Maharaj's influence, hmm? Narayan Maharaj's uh, very much preoccupied with Gopi Bhav, Manjari Bhav, and with the fact that uh, this is the highest ideal of the Sampradaya, and um, it is the, the prominent, by far, uh, uh, influence in, in Gaudiya Sampradaya. Hmm? The, the video turned off, Guru Maharaj, sorry. Oh, I think it ran out of... I don't know why. Let me see if I can fix it. Okay, if not, we continue like that. Yeah, it ran out of batteries, I think. Okay, okay, no problem, no problem. I continue with the translation, they can hear me. Yes. No um, so now, so Narayanmar spoke about Madhuri Bhav, Gopi Bhav, and so forth, this is the highest ideal. And he assumed that Prabhupada must have had that ideal. But he was not privy to or aware of all of the things that Prabhupada said, the poems that he wrote, the things that he said in conversations at different times and so forth, the likes of which we put together in the book penned by um, Bhaktivedanta Ashram Maharaj entitled, Oh My Friend, which has been translated in Spanish. It's about to be published in Spanish. So he wasn't aware of all that information, which is overwhelming documentation of uh, in Prabhupada's own words and just reflecting on them as to Prabhupada's um, ideal. Uh, and when in late in his own life, Bhakti Bhantan Ryanmarsh was offered that, he didn't even want to entertain it because he had already said over and over again, Prabhupada must be in Madhuriya Bhava. He must be because uh, this is the main theme of Sampradaya and my guru immerses in, 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 in Madhuriya Bhava. He took some house from him and so forth and, and, and so on. If he was really acquainted with all the information, I think he would have uh, had a nuanced opinion. But um, under, anyway, his influence, not under Prabhupada, not based on anything that Prabhupada had said, hmm, only based on what Narayanmarsh had said, Shamarani took the position that Prabhupada must be in Gopi Bhav. Hmm. Similarly, 
um, after Prophet's passing. Um, Pujapat Sridharmarsh became a prominent person in, 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 the, in the world scene. He was preoccupied with or idealized Madhuri Rasa, Manjari Bhav. He talked about that a little bit and so forth in ways that um, some of Prabhupada's disciples under his guidance had not heard before. And he honed a little bit their understanding of what the highest ideal was uh, and so forth. Um, and some of those devotees under his influence and association became attracted to the ideal of Madhurya Rasa. But the difference between Narayan Maharaj in this regard and Sridhar Maharaj is that Sridhar Maharaj was privy to some of the things that Prabhupada had said in his, his poem on the Jaladusa in particular. He had it memorized by heart. And he was of the strong opinion that Prabhupada was in Sakurasa. So those under Sridhar Maharaj's influence who became attracted to Madhurya Rasa never thought that Prabhupada was also was, was in Gopi Bhav. Um, but so therefore the interest largely to a large extent in Gopi Bhav amongst Prabhupada's disciples comes from association with devotees after the passing of Prabhupada. Hmm? Not entirely, um, but uh, to uh, a, a large extent, there is there was some interest in Gopi Bhav within Iskand before Prabhupada passed that 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 he didn't approve of. Um, he questioned the way it was um, uh, being being thought about on the part of some of his disciples, um, but. Uh, that influence, I should say, also came from outside of Prabhupada, came from, from Radhakund. Hmm? Um, so the, the idea that Prabhupada is in Gopi Bhav, that doesn't come from Prabhupada. No one could get that from just from associating with Prabhupada. The idea that Gopi Bhav is the highest ideal, you could get that from associating with Prabhupada. Hmm? That's true. Hmm? And as I often say, Bodhi Sampradaya is just saturated with, with Manjari Bhav. So being acquainted with the books, the texts, and so forth that he translated, one could come to that conclusion. This is the highest ideal. And um, uh, uh, hone one's sod in, the, in that direction, no problem. But that Prabhupada is in that, that Bhava, that, that, that's not something you could draw from there. And I, I don't think too many, if any, devotees that I know of, ever thought that from things that Prabhupada said. I mean, he said nothing about it, where he said so many things about himself in terms of Sakirasa. So I hope that question that answers your question. Thank you. Okay, so we talked a bit now. I think we should stop and and uh, hopefully we'll all get together again on Sunday for Gopastami. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktivarinda Ki Jai. Oh, it's